Welcome to episode 46 of the Football Index podcast. I'm joined by Football Index Analysis, aka Joel. Joel, how are you doing? Uh, good, thanks. Thanks for having me back. No worries, mate. And I'm also joined by Lee, aka Football Index SOTD, who's uh, one of the bigger Twitter accounts out there in the Football Index world. How are you doing, mate? All good, thanks. Good stuff, good stuff. And you boys are the founders of Edge. So why don't you uh, talk to us a little bit about that before we go into the questions? Yes, I think just how Edge came about, um, obviously, before last um, August, well, the August before that, there was only media data. There wasn't really anything analytical you could really do in terms of um, football index. Okay, you can have a look at percent dividends and how many days people are winning, how many media points they're gathering. It's about as far as it goes. Um, but then um, PB uh, came along, and I think um, football index AS I think was the the groundbreaker really in a way when it came to uh, <laughs> basically looking at season 16 17 stats yeah. and trying to put together something i mean it must have took him ages and he deserves a lot of credit for it <laughs> um and he he come he put together basically averages of um players over a season uh, i think he'd use who scored and a few other um resources like that and people, people are loving it. So <clears throat> we, we spoke to Adam and says, okay, um, can we use your, we want to try and do something a bit more. Um, a bit more formal. A bit more, a bit more yeah, a bit more uh, complicated than what that actually was. So we wanted to introduce fixtures because obviously it was just an average per day. So we came up with this is before edge we were just doing it off our twitter accounts we came up with this idea of running a simulation based on um some uh adams uh, averages and i think we had maybe home and away wins in there and a few other variables we put into this model and we put and we ran it on the season before fixtures and we tried to simulate basically a season's worth of data and tried to do that a hundred times and work a approximate average of how much people would earn at this point when we were doing this it was only 200 players and we only thought we only thought at the time that the top 200 pb players top 200 players could win pb so we had this model and we we shared this on twitter and it it got a lot of traction and I think uh, it was pretty good for the first um, first tryout for it. We I remember Danny Alves was uh, by far the best defender, and that that turned out right. I think he was on for because it was only top two hundred. We we estimated that he hit about one pound eighty three dividends or something. <laughs> I mean, if he wasn't injured, and if it was only top two hundred, you wouldn't put <laughs> past him, would you? No, no. But he was only one pound eighty at the time. I don't think he. I think he was one pound twenty at the time. And then, so we did this. I think Messi came up top of um, the midfielders. I mean, so forwards. And I think maybe someone like Coutinho was mid when he was at Liverpool. 
and uh, so we run off, we ran this and we got loads of traction from it and then as you know i'm a keen uh fpl player and mm, i know that for sure but always come in uh in second third place to you so <laughs> And, not, and for FPL, I'd always used sites for statistics. And because of the traction we gained off me and Joel basically doing this, I said to Joel, because I'd, I'd spoke to Joel and I knew he was thinking of uh, making some match betting site or some sort of site like that. I said, have a look at this site for FPL. I think it's um, Fantasy Football Scout. And... Obviously, I mean, that is very developed, but maybe we could do something along the lines of this, um, only just for just to see how it goes and just something different to um, instead of just tweeting out things, um, maybe we can try and build some it. And uh, I'll let Joel take it from there. Yeah, so um, from my perspective, I was uh, so we were doing all these stats things together, but then I was also sending out some price graphs and things like that. And eventually I was getting quite a few people saying, oh, where did you get these price graphs from? Uh, would you be interested in making a website? I'd be willing to pay for something like that. And um, it became increasingly uh, clear that more and more people were starting to collect their own stats and they were becoming more and more important uh, with the introduction of performance buzz. So um, I decided that, well, it might as well be only a couple of people doing all the work. So um, uh, I put it all together and uh, that's how it started, really. Brilliant. Well, you guys are are doing something wonderful for the community at the moment and congratulations on, on the success so far. And uh, I think it's a very, very helpful website that's uh, helped a lot of traders make a lot of money. So well, I think we'll move on to the first question. Come from uh, FI Lollipop Man Steve. And in private, he asked me, if he was the oldest person on football index but uh we, we won't get into that one but his, his his actual question was is the index changing players seem to be going up just because they get more playing time even though they won't or have very little chance of winning performance buzz why is this so lee why don't you set us off why is this mate i think to start with people basically want an opportunity to win and so they feel as though people who aren't playing every week or aren't playing every minute have got less chance which they probably have and i think it's a little bit of a hangover from the fpr world from the fantasy world because in fantasy you want your player playing every single game and you want your player playing every single minute really i think football index is slightly different to that um because there's really only certain players who have got a good chance and and some players have got a better chance in one game than other players have in five games but i think i think that's where that's come from that people want players for 90 minutes and um they want an opportunity in every game you want value for money and if your player isn't playing every game then um yeah, then you, you're not going to win. Uh, in that, people in that do. Particular people game. do seem to forget that, don't they? That they, they ask questions. What? Why has this player gone down? He's only gone. He's only out for three games. Say if they get a red card, or he's only injured for four games. Well, if you look at that on the the wider scale of things, if a player plays forty games in a season and he's out for four games, that's ten percent of his performance buzz dividends, potential winnings, completely wiped out, isn't it, Lee? Yeah, I'm surprised by um, just going KDB's. Um 
re-rise back to around 550 so quick um just because basically you're probably work you're probably losing about 20 percent of the opportunity to gain dividends on him throughout the season um but yeah i mean people don't just trade for that pb win they also trade because they knew he'd go back up so some trade earlier than others but i think that i think that's why the people and people enjoy playing the game so you want to be involved if your player's not playing you know if your player's not playing you haven't got the opportunity and it's very early days so we haven't seen those players um where you might have a, a danny alves type um who probably won't wouldn't play every game and would play about 70 percent of the season but you know that when he plays he's going to turn it on so until we see those types um or or players go to down to a value where you've got an opportunity maybe to get back back in and they become more value at a price even though they're not playing any every game then i think that'll probably continue for a few weeks till things even out a bit yeah we're certainly in a period where players are going up left right and center even i think today i saw the footy down but some of the rises that we've seen percentage wise and some of the players were crazy i'm going to use a weird weird analogy here if you imagine like a roulette table but if you imagine one of the numbers is worth or there's a probability of you know 0.005 percent of actually winning and landing on that on that number there's still going to be people who bet on those big odds and there are still people who bet on accumulators that are 5,000 to 1. It's slightly edging towards that, isn't it, in a weird way? People are seeing these like young players that are coming into the team or transferring to another team that get more playing time. Is that that slight bit of exuberance from a, from a long odds bet that is exciting these people? What, what do you think, Joel? Um, I think, yeah, I mean, I've had a few friends that have joined Football Index uh, since the beginning of the season and speaking to a couple of them already, they're saying, oh, I don't know if it's for me. I like betting on an accumulator where I can win a lot of money. He says, yeah, I know um, I could make more on, in the long term on Football Index, but it's, it doesn't excite me. Um, so I also, when I speak to new traders, a lot of them say, oh, so what you really want to do is find the next big thing, the next youngsters that's going to go crazy. Um and I think, I think that that's kind of like the gut feel of a lot of new traders. And with so many traders joining for the start of this season, I think that's kind of why we've seen those players rising so much. I think the other thing that's at play here is that um, I try and estimate roughly how much money's in the market at any given time. And there's just a lot more money at the moment than there ever has been. I think it's roughly doubled since the beginning of April. What, what is your so, current estimate there, Joel? What's the amount of money in the market? Oh, of course. Uh, I'm not sure about that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I think it's, it's, it's roughly doubled from um, the beginning of April. Um, so yes, yeah, so that's those, those rises are going to be seen throughout the market. Um, I think another thing that we've seen change this season is uh, a lot more FPL users um, and people uh going for the players that do well in fpl or have been good value in fpl and applied that to football index as their gut instinct i think the best example of that is wan bissaka <laughs> now about two pounds 20 more than a lot of the other seemingly premium defenders um 
and then also players like uh, Madison and Richarlison that's have have had good starts to the season and are popular in FPL. Oh, can I just interject there? So uh, last year, <laughs> last year I probably wrongly criticised people for buying Mo Salah because he was an FPL player. Um, so, <laughs> so I, w- I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't read too much into that. But yeah, I know, I know exactly what you mean. But um, <laughs> trust me, after the Mo Salah um, increase, uh, it's not always the way. What what I will say about Mo Salah is I highly doubt, and I'm. Please, if you've got screenshots of you buying at like 190 and holding the whole way through, I don't think there were that many people who bought him, say, £1.90, £2.50, £3 and hold them all the way up to 10 quid. I think people were very in and out of Mo Salah. And I, I don't know. I, I'm sure someone will send me a DM like, hey, got him at £1.20 before he went to Liverpool. But it's uh, it, that's what the general consensus seemed to me for, for a player like him is that people were just dipping in and out of him. But on, an, on another note, I think, yeah, that this FPL frenzy has, has been quite strange. I, I guess strange is probably the wrong word. I think it's been it's been more interesting to to watch. Right, you, you mentioned Wan Bissaka there, Joel, and uh, certainly Richarlison started the season really well, and he went from about two seventy, two sixty, two seventy up to to three fifty in a, in a heartbeat, didn't he? Um, and I guess if they are scoring goals, there's there's always that chance that they can actually turn over dividends. But in general, what what do you think this is a a good thing for the market in general for people to be buying players that have very little chance of winning performance buzz. Um, I think I think it's, I think it's just a apt adaptation period. Um, I think people will start as they get uh, on the platform for longer. They'll start working out who's a good performance buzz player and who's a good uh, FPL player. Um, I don't think it, ma- it really matters for the platform as such. Um, as long as they can work it out quickly. It's, it's about the onboarding to work out quicker, essentially. Yeah, I think um, Callum Wilson is another example, although I think he's probably gone up a little bit because I've seen people expecting him maybe to get an England call. Well, that, that's that's another example um, where you're looking at a team outside the top six um, that I think people have been influenced by FPL. And I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I actually think... It's a technique to trade if you want. Like people might buy this player because he's good in FPL. Why is that not a strategy? It can be, and I think any money coming into the index is good. Yeah, no, certainly a lot of things to consider there in terms of, firstly, whether or not some of these players warrant the price rises, considering how much dividends they'll be returning. But also that FPL element is is certainly alive and kicking in the index, isn't it? But the next question comes from the Football Index Investor. He asked a very interesting question, actually. I really want to know your opinions on this, guys. Do you see Football Index bringing out their own data service to help with onboarding? even if it's just simple data. So he also says, personally, I prefer to let specialists like Edge and Index Gain do things better whilst FI focus on creating a better platform. So Lee, why don't you kick us off? Do you think they'll bring out something interesting? And do you agree with the investor here that that they should just focus on the product and platform and let Edge and Index Gain and others get on with it? I think firstly, just like to say what a fantastic job that people at football index have done over the last year especially and how things have grown so i think 
it's up to them really if they if they feel that um, they they need to do that and that will help the platform grow further then they should do that if they feel there's enough data out there whether that's people supplying data whoever way people on Twitter supplying data uh, is enough then I mean that's up to them but I do think that um, data and people having data available is for um, purchases and trading is a good thing for football index uh, I think you can see it it is it's not like media buzz which is slightly different you can look at it you can study it and people enjoy that um, I think I've seen someone post on index gain that are popping in and out of now and then which is pretty good the chat forum in there i've seen someone saying they'd spent all summer um looking over at edge and the data and they'd already had a couple of wins just straight straight from that on pb and i think mm-hmm. that i think that's great i think they'd mentioned um francis Camoni. And, know, yeah. and someone else had mentioned Alex. Um, I think he won in the first two weeks. I can't remember his sur- surname. Grenell. Yeah, that's it. Gradle, Gradle. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, so I think that they'd come from data, and um, I think that's a good thing. I think people can see it, people can use it, and I think people like that, and therefore they're they're more willing to put money in because of that. Mm. I also think think it helps with objectivity, doesn't it? I think a lot of players are bought by traders on gut instinct. And while I think sometimes that can work and can be very profitable, if you've seen a player play and say, oh, I think this guy's going to be absolutely amazing. Cause I don't know if you looked at Kylian Mbappe a couple of years ago, or whatever, and that, that kind of effect that, that uh, a generational talent has, as we see in real life on, on the pitch, but also on the index, whether or not you agree he should be that price. He, he is that price now and he's, he's gotten there. It does help make decisions, doesn't it? Especially if you're fifty-fifty and you've been weighing up fixtures, etc. Well, let me have a look at his uh, his averages and standard deviation, etc. Um, how many fixtures he he usually takes to win one performance buzz? All these things help make decisions, and I think that's what traders struggle with the most when to buy and when to sell and i think having those stats available is really useful for these traders to make said decisions i'm sure you agree joel yeah i think one thing i'll add because it is a question we get asked quite often is uh, what are you going to do when football index bring out a stats center um i don't know what their plan is with that i'm sure it's on their roadmap and i don't know where it lies in their priority list but um from our perspective i think we'll always try and go further than the like standard stats so things like what lee does with the simulations and uh, other features that we've brought in such as estimating scores based on um, an econometric model and um, some other features we're planning on introducing in the near future just a quick just to quickly interject joe an econometric model for those who listeners who, who don't know what that is what what is that exactly so like a model that will estimate a player's score based on uh, variables such as their average, uh, the strength of their opposition, whether the game was played home or away. Um, so at the moment, it's, it's quite a basic model, but um, we plan to add on a couple of other variables as well and improve it as as there becomes a larger data set. 
Mm-hmm. Certainly, those variables are very important. What have you seen in terms of home and away, for example? I know we're going on a bit of a tangent here, but in in terms of home and away, and you might not have the data to hand, but how how much more likely are players to win when they are at home? I don't have that exact stat, but I can uh, release it when um, this pod goes out. But I think um, on, I think in the model, it's about eleven and a half points that that home advantage is worth. So, yeah, if you, if you think about how often um, PB is won by less than a difference of 11.5 points, that's that could be the fact that they one was playing at home. Mm, interesting. So uh, all these variables, even if they are as, as small as 11 points on PB, they can, they can add up. What's your take on, on this, this angle once more, Lee? I think ease of fixture is huge. Um, a recent example is Lucas Mora from two days ago so I've seen quite a lot of tweets of people and Harry Kane scored as well I've seen both quite a lot of tweets from people and be and going into index game having a look at the forum on there I've seen quite a lot of um, people saying oh Mora's not built for PB um, Harry Kane's score is rubbish considering he scored goal and game week goal but Man United away is a pretty tough fixture. Even if you win 3-0, you score twice, your team probably isn't going to have a, that much of the ball. And I think that's where traders will start to get more of a grip of the variability between each game and tougher fixtures. Because I think if that was a home fixture, I think you'd have seen Lucas Moura home fixture against a, a team outside the top six. I think you'd have seen a 200-point score from Lucas Moura um, rather than a, a 1-3-6 just because those possession stats, etc., would have been higher. And So I think there's loads of variables that uh, which make, unfortunately for traders, which make game-to-game variability extremely high on the scoring matrix. Yeah, I think what I'd add to that as well is I think people have to understand expectations of how much a player should score against each team. So for a large chunk of last season, I think, I can't remember if it was no forward or no player at all had scored over 100 against Manchester City. And I think Insigne scored like something like 98 one game and everyone was like, oh, so he's not so good at PB after all. But that was the best score at that time against City ever in PB. I mean, there wasn't much data then, but I think expectations are really important. Yeah, so I I think this is something that you really wanted to speak about, Lee, that the game-on-game variation. I I think people need to understand that if you do have a player that scores a goal in four games in a row and then scores a a fifth goal, he could have a, a score of, you know, 200, 120, 140... 20 170 and, and 50 just throwing random numbers out there but he, he would have scored a, a goal in each of those games it's just completely dependent on the variables and, and who they're playing right yeah and i think people relate it to the variability to goals too much and i think that's incorrect because if you forget about those goals and have a look at the scores they're really variable like passing is is really variable as well and people think oh the score's different because of goals, but it's very variable from game to game. Um, 
if you put goals aside and I think it's it's huge the the, the ease of fixture and home and away and some other variables position that that player is playing formation that that team is playing how that manager set them out to play all these things from game to game do change and uh, people need to uh, bear that in mind maybe whether being too quick to sell or picking up bargains that people have sold i certainly think there's an educational point here i i think that when you are on the platform for for a bit longer people tend to understand that these these variables do have a massive massive impact on on performance buzz scores but we'll move on to the next question this is from uh, buzzing pool congratulations uh pool was really really good reaction uh both listenership wise and, and reaction wise in general on um on twitter for, for your pb special and, and now we're doing another one and, and you you had to get involved didn't you you love your analytics a question from him where he says Edge is a treasure trove of historic PB stats. Which statistic would you say is the most important or significant? And then he also goes on to ask another question, but we'll ask that later. So what do you think about that? What is the most important or significant stat? So I always kind of thought peak scores are the most important um, because those are ultimately what is going to win performance buzz. But I've kind of come round to a thinking that Players' PB scores have a larger impact in price changes on that player than they do on dividends for that player. So, like, and you, so there is a difference between the price change a player gets when they get a negative PB score and if they score a hundred and don't win PB. So, I wouldn't just take peak scores in isolation as the most important stat. I was looking at the stats of price changes. Um, across match days based on their PB scores. And I found that both this season and last season, if they got scored less than 100, they generally have about a penny decrease on average. Between the 100 and 150 mark, it's slightly positive. And then above 150, we've seen this season has been a huge increase in price and last season, a moderate one. So about 10% last season and 20% this year would be about on average for a score above 150. I'll get the exact stats out when this is released. But yeah, so my favourite thing to look at is the averages and then also looking at the distribution to check that they get plenty of peak scores as well. What about you, Lee? So I'm a massive peak score advocate because I've been successful with it myself. I remember, I think we, we sent out, we didn't even have it. We, that's on edge now for anyone who wants to look at that. You can look at any any score and it will tell you how many times all those players have got over that score. I remember we sent an email, it sent an email version out about it, I think, last November. And then we, we put it on site now. Um, but I think, yeah, peak score is, is mainly what I look at. Um, however, I think at the moment... People are very much going for those average, high average guys. And I think it mirrors last year that people feel, rightly or wrongly, people feel that the high average guys are better for PB. Uh, I probably disagree with that, uh, fundamentally disagree with that, because um, I think peak scores are more important. However, people are going for their average guys at the moment. You've seen massive increases in Tony Cruz, Jorginho, uh, some other guys, Ever Benanga, 
even Rakitic has had a small increase, uh, Rabiot, all those guys have increased through scoring high and they'll probably score fairly high every game, most games. Um, and I don't think that's enough to win PB, but I think at the moment it seems to be enough to get price rises. Uh, so it depends It depends how you look at it. But to actually win PB, I think you need to look at peak scores, look at the averages, look at high averages with standard deviations. And I think, I think it's looking at a number of things and... You can on edge now. I think I think looking at averages is quite hard because you you sort of don't want to look on averages all the way back to last September. Um, so it might be worth looking at averages for the last ten games or something. And there's a filter option on edge um, that you can do that. You can look by date and you can see how someone's done in the last ten games, or you can see how someone's done in the via peak score or average. And um, I think, yeah, I think it's a combination, but a preference is a peak score. I'm probably somewhere in the middle. I I probably sway slightly more towards peak scores. I think I mentioned with Buzzing Paul that ideally you want someone who scores a high average with the highest standard deviation possible. And I think probably Lionel Messi is is a great example of that. Uh, A a generally quite high average score, but with the potential to hit those, you know, 300, 350 pointers. Yeah, it, it's a strange one. I, I do. I did see a conversation the other day on Twitter where people were debating Jorginho and Cruz, two of the guys that you mentioned there, Lee. And someone said, "Oh well, Jorginho doesn't have a historically good goal record, but he scored the, his first goal of the season for Chelsea in his first game." And then I saw someone mention that, well, I don't really mind if he doesn't hit peak scores that often. If he scores three to four goals in a season, he's probably likely to win. Is that? attitude going to change if players like Jorginho and Cruz score and they don't win how, how big of a of a swing do you think we'll see if that does happen that's when it does change and that's when it changed last year because we had we had Cruz up there we had KDB up there we had all these guys who we knew would turn over high averages and they they didn't really win I think they didn't none of them really won to start with but I think the difference is Tony Cruz has won. And so people are thinking, okay, well, let's look at players similar to Tony Cruz. And maybe rightly so. Um, but uh, I think, I mean, I've seen comparisons between Cruz, Isco, Asenio, and people rubbishing the other two and just focusing on Cruz because you know he's going to bang out, you know, 160 plus a lot of games. But I think people's opinion will probably change on that and, ch- and and change backwards and forwards throughout the season yeah the, the, the beauty of uh, the PD, beauty of the it? index <laughs> i i think where traders that target high averages have really had success uh, this season are the ones that pick out the players from teams who are playing on single match days and if they pick them out two three weeks beforehand and then maybe sell the day before or the day of the game i think because so many other people are looking for those players who have the highest average on that day They've, they've got quite a nice price rise out of that. Yeah, certainly the, the single day tactic has worked really well for, for traders, whether or not they keep for dividends and then people see those players that have won as players that could potentially win dividends in the future or if you sell prior to, to a single game, uh, a single game day and make a, a ton of profit, then either way, it's 
it's it's it's going to make you some good money and it's it's a good trading tactic but paul also has another question he said time allowing and since we do have the time he says could you explain some of the limitations of using stats in isolation when buying players so lee i think uh this this is one for you mate um yeah i mean of course a statistic is just a number and I mean, we've already discussed that we've had fixtures, change of fixtures, change of management style, change of formation. All these things affect the future scores of players, which you don't see in data. You don't see in that historic data. And I think that's where you need to use your, you know, your gut instincts and watch games. I watched Inter Milan at the the weekend and I wasn't impressed that they played three at the back Um, (laughs) because I I think it's a little bit detrimental um, to some players not so in other teams but in some teams I I do think it is and uh, and I think things like that I think you need to use the statistics hand in hand and I think it's you can't just things change I think uh, I mean Tony Cruz is actually quite a good example so last year He's just gonna. He's not gonna score many goals, and he's gonna bang out high averages. We're probably not not gonna really win until those last stages of European competition or World Cups. And um, but this year it's changed because, in theory, you could argue he's possibly on direct free kicks. Now Ronaldo's gone, and the data doesn't show you that. So you need to take things like that into consideration, and and obviously that's a that's a plus point that he's got this year compared to last year. Joel, what about you? Yeah, I think as the season progresses, um, the stats will incorporate more of those um, factors in. But yeah, certainly doing your own research, um, checking things like likely team selection, formation, minutes, the substitutions lately, which positions managers favour to substitute. All these sorts of things are obviously key as alongside the stats. I think it's very early to be making what I've seen blanket statements about any player. Uh, I think, you know, we need somewhere like 15, 15 days of the new season data, really, to start assessing players properly in, rather than these blanket statements of, OK, we need to buy number 10s, not number 9s. Now, we had that last year. <laughs> and uh, we had some quite good fun with that on Twitter um, because if you score goals, you're going to win PB some days. And nine, number nines do win PB, and we haven't we haven't seen that yet. And they haven't looked they haven't looked great the number nines as yet. And I think once we the season settles down a bit, we'll be able to see what type of player is performing and. Uh, and, and isolate that down to individual players as well yeah I, I think for me the most worrying thing and maybe not worrying but strange is, is when people look at scores over say 60 minutes and the player is subbed <laughs> and, and they say well he scored this this much or this he scored this many points in 60 minutes what could he potentially do in 90 minutes and then they buy is there 
a method to that madness. If a player does do that and then play for 90 minutes, I, I think we saw last season with Marek Hamšík where he was just taken off uh, 60 minutes and then people finally had enough. It, it, or can it go either way? Can a, a player then play 90 minutes, do really well on PB, and then suddenly he's he's worth that? And, and those who bought when they saw that 60-minute score were right. It, it, it's a strange one. And that's why I think you're right, Lee. You need that. 10 15 game sample size you can't do it over 60 minutes which isn't even one game yeah so the only time i I can think i did a trade like that last season was after neymar got injured and i thought about the scores that di maria was getting in limited minutes and then thought okay there aren't many other backups in those attacking positions he's more likely to get more minutes and then bought him and he did quite well for a couple of games when he finally got a, a lot of minutes i think trades like that you can do it but Generally, if they're getting 60 minutes, it could be a regular thing. Yeah, I think Isco is uh, probably the one that's suffered. Uh, I think people have probably sold him because of that rather than anything else being dragged off in a, in a few games. Um, not sure how that one's going to work out because otherwise he looks obviously pretty good. He looks pretty built for B- PB. But um, yeah, and, and James Rodriguez last year suffered badly from it because I think he would have won... Lots of PB if he'd have just stay on the field for 20 more minutes. Uh, again, it remains to be seen with him uh, how things are going to turn out, I think, and how whether he'll get a full 90 minutes. And I think I can see why people sat, I can see why people are selling at this point because they feel other people are going to sell. And some people don't want to top up on drops, they want to get out and they want to use that elsewhere. They don't see. You know, there's a there's an international there's a, a few weeks now with the international break. Um, they 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 want to use try and use that money elsewhere. So I don't blame anyone for selling. I don't I don't blame anyone for buying these players who are dropping as well, because it's all down to what's going to happen in the future. And um, hopefully everyone will get something out of it. People get to use their money elsewhere, but and also other people benefit that they could probably pick up these players um, cheaper than they were a month or so ago. Yeah, it, it's certainly one to consider. I think SG once tweeted that people buy a player now for the future. It doesn't really matter what's happened in the past. If you think Hammers didn't start the last game, you think if you think he's going to start the next game and potentially play and win then then you buy if you think he's going to be dropped again then not play then you you sell if you own or, or you you consider uh, your position but certainly a lot to think about uh, for traders next question chris dobson how much research do you do before you buy a future in a player do you extensively research each player or are there times where you buy on gut instinct so chaps is there any times where you don't even look at analytics at all for, for two guys that love their data yeah, absolutely. I think the time that you buy it on your gut and you don't do proper research is when you think his price is going to increase by the time you're able to do that research. Uh, the most obvious ones, transfer rumours. If you spot something first and you know he's going to be up 10% in five minutes, I'm not going to stop to check if he, how many corners he took last season. So I think it's particularly pertinent that at this time of the year that people are reacting quicker because they feel like they want to set their team up for the season and I think we'll see reactions slow down and we you know we're seeing players at the moment after half an hour if they've got a decent score we're seeing rises in their those players I think that will settle down I think that 
volatility that high or low volatility rises on like 30 minutes and 60 minutes i think i think that's going to come down a little bit as the season goes on um but i think people are feeling like they want to get in a position for like the new season everyone's dream as a football index trader i think is to have a portfolio that they can just sit with <laughs> where I think that, that that's everyone. That's what everyone thinks. Oh, I just want a portfolio and I can sit back. So I think everyone's trying to manoeuvre at the moment, and I think that's why um, we are seeing rises after half an hour in games and falls when people aren't in lineups and subbed off. Um, I think I think that's why. Yeah, I I think you're right. People one people just get kind of bored of of kind of sitting there and buying and selling based on 30 minutes and they start to take more of a longer term outlook Uh, and then the cycle kind of starts again i guess when we have european football that that becomes a factor when lineups are announced etc i think we saw a lot of this in for example the the group stages of the europa league where a lot of money was pumped into these squad players that were getting a chance and then when the latter stages started, a lot of these players still rose, depending on who they drew in in the last 32. And then when managers actually fielded stronger teams, a lot of these players fell a lot and the, the normal first team guys rose. So a lot of these cycles will continue to happen and we still will see like in-game, pre-game, starting 11 volatility throughout the season. But it start to become more in bursts rather than every single game day but back to this gut instinct thing lee i think is it more likely that you'll buy a player during a game based on gut instinct we say wow he, he looks pretty sharp for preseason and or at the beginning of the season because that can have a big effect while players are trying to get into say first or second gear yeah i mean i would say that i probably um buy on gut instinct more than I do data driven at the moment um, because I know other people are. So if I feel I like the look of someone, I watch quite a lot of games and I don't really, I don't really um, trade on goals because I'm normally a minute behind. <laughs> if it's not on Sky, I'm normally a minute behind on 11 sports or. <laughs> Um, so I don't really trade on goals and, and things like that. It spoils the viewing experience a little bit for me. It's a bit odd, but there, I'm a bit odd about that. Um, a, a purist, a purist. Yeah, maybe, but I can see people are making good money out of it. Maybe I should think about it a little bit more. But I, I don't really trade on, on, on goals and, and events like that. But I have been trading on watching a player play and how they're playing, what formation they're playing in and seeing how that's relating to their score and against other players and i have been trading on that in game um so yeah so they've been good they've been more good instincts i'd say rather than me trudging through a load of data yeah so i think all this sort of stuff is kind of a precedence gets set and then it kind of calms down at some point so i think the best example of that is uh, the world cup which is kind of a microcosm of uh, of PB with the first game where Russia won, I think five nil. Every goal, every the the goal scorer was going up, you know, ten fifteen p. And then as the World Cup uh, went on, that kind of decreased. Um, I, I think similar stuff will happen this season. Um, in terms of my 
own trading, I kind of, it's mostly about comparative pricing for me. So if I see, I didn't actually do this trade, but it's probably the best example at the moment was after Lucas Moura's rise, um, I'd look at similar players like Son and then he's now had a decent rise, even though it's probably also to do with the South Korea doing well in the Asia Cup. But um, I kind of try and think a bit laterally um, to the players it directly affects when I see um, in-game stuff. Yeah, you've got to think about all these verticals, don't you? If you think only in one direction vertically, then you're going to be disadvantaged to some extent because there are, as you said, Joel, people making money on, on buying other Spurs attackers and players that that are compared to Lucas Moura. But lads, before we go, I've got a couple questions here in terms of looking Oh, actually, maybe a bit more than that. One of them is uh, about the next trend that you see after defenders. And I know, Lee, that we, we haven't touched on defenders yet, but I didn't want to get you too excited. Uh, and also the uh, the international break that's coming up. So why don't you tell me what you think, first of all, the next trend is going to be in, in terms of football index. Try and predict it if you don't want to, fair enough. But uh, And then the international break, what kind of effect that we'll, we'll see happen, really? Okay, so I can put some ideas out there. Um, I was very pleased by the defender rise, as you know, and it's been a long time coming, uh, but it was uh, pretty fruitful. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's good to spot these things early. I was probably on them a bit too early in a way, um, but bided time, and uh, some of them have come pretty, pretty good, and I still think there's value there. Uh, I think there's uh, pretty good value, uh, especially around the uh, £1 to £1.80 region, and and the ones higher are still good value. Um, but the £1 to £1.80 region, if they perform, uh, we could see some good rises there. But I think the next trend, um, I've got a feeling uh, that there might be a bit of a media buzz trend um, as people see that uh, people can't win PB all the time. I, I feel that um, Premier League players are undervalued. Um, some of them are undervalued compared to their uh, foreign uh, counterparts. Um, I mean, I look at a player like, uh, I don't like to give too many examples, but you give me an example, Premier League player. Premier League player, Sergio Aguero. He's quite high, come on. <laughs> what, what, what kind of price? <laughs> About three quid. Uh, go on then, do Lucas Moura. Oh, that's another argument. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, uh, Lucas Moura. No, we'll go on Lucas Moura. So people are saying he's overvalued, uh, whether I think he's overvalued or not. That's different. But the point is that Lucas Moura has got a chance of winning PB and he's got a chance of winning Media Buzz. And... I think that type of player compared to a free pound, say three pound, that type of player compared to a free pound player um, that's not in the Premier League is quite different. You only need a couple of media buzz wins or an 8p and a 5p or something like that. And that really can boost your dividends. When you think that some of the, some of the best PB players will probably do no more than 50p so, some of them not all of them are going to some of them are going to do double that but some of them are around this three four pound mark 
are only probably do 50p at best and you can win 20p if you get on a good media buzz run and that and that goes some way into eating into the into the dividends um and i think players like that might be slightly undervalued but of course media buzz is quite hard to predict but i just feel like there might be an opportunity there ozzle for example um is a good recent i don't hold him i wish i did um but he's picked up about 40p i think in media buzz now he's got that opportunity if you look at it the other way he's got that opportunity of pb as well but he's turned around 40p on media buzz in, in in probably about a month and a half maybe less and i think people need to think about that um because what's his what's his media buzz worth and what's his pb worth because some people some players media buzz is worth nothing so their free paying value for example is is full of pb so it's based on pb where oswell you could argue okay one pound 50 media buzz one pound 50 performance buzz and um i mean that looks that looks pretty good <laughs> maybe i should go and buy some oswell no <laughs> but there, there are players out there like that um and and i think that needs to be considered I know Alexis Sanchez has get to a hard time and been getting a hard time. But again, if you look at him, you might argue that his uh, media buzz is worth £3 and his performance buzz is worth £2.50. And if you look at it like that, compared to a player who's performance buzz only, then uh, they look quite value. That's a really interesting way to think about things, Lee. I'm really glad you've brought that up. I've never thought of it that way, weirdly. Never, ever thought about splitting a player into the potential dividends they could win either either side in terms of MB and PP. That's really, really interesting. I'd love to, to cover that more, but we're running out of time. Joel? Uh, yes, yeah, so in terms of the next trend, like defenders, I think um, in order to see something like the defender phenomenon, uh, it, it'd have to be someone... Well, there's plenty of cheap options, so it doesn't require that much money for a 20-30% increase like we've seen on some of those top defenders. Um, it, I've got two suggestions. Uh, the first is penalty takers. Obviously, we've seen the huge Ramos rise in the last couple of weeks, um, but I think there's plenty of others, especially around Europe, that could see similar when if uh, a player establishes themselves as uh, the penalty taker for that team. Um, the other suggestion, we're recording this uh, a day or two before the European draws. I think we could see quite a few increases based on who gets easy group stages and in the build-up to the first couple of Champions League games. Um, and afterwards, when it start, we start to see who, which teams are likely to progress to the further rounds. I think those, those are my two suggestions. Yeah, I totally agree on the Europe side. I think... The penalty taker one is is something that I hadn't considered. It's, it's certainly an interesting one. I think we've seen players increase for obviously taking penalties like Sergio Ramos and then people were a bit uncertain when Benzema took the second one and then it was cleared up after the Ramos was going to take first and then Benzema is the second penalty taker and he said, I need to be caring and kind and, and generous to my teammates and all that jazz and I'm sure holders were very begrudging towards him for that. But people, again, corner takers, free kick takers, people are reacting on, on anything they see these days and i agree i think all these things will kind of c converge into one 
state of less volatility until we see another cycle at the moment i think we're in the midst of we've had this big defender rise and people are buying and speculating on what the next trend could be because in the past defenders would rise and then we'd say oh now midfielders look undervalued or now strikers and forwards look undervalued let's just buy them but as you mentioned joe it's it's a bit different now isn't it free kick takers penalty takers so strange to see um like Ramos higher than Lewandowski. It's really strange. <laughs> I agree with it. Um but it is it is something that's never happened on the index before. No. And no, no, and no. I do think that we've already had um free kick and corners. I think players have risen a lot from being free kicks and corner takers. And I think you'll see um the lower ones that do tech corners and free kicks might rise as well. Certainly a lot to consider. Certainly a lot to consider. Well, I, I think the traders listening will make a lot of money if you predict that next trend correctly. But last question I want to ask you guys, we talked about the future of Football Index a lot in the previous episode with uh, Mr. ASP, the, the man with big balls himself. Lee, what what your thoughts in, in general? What what your general feelings towards the future of the index, both in terms of uh, a company and, and, and the product as well? Well, I wish I could articulate myself as well as an ASP. (laughs) (laughs) But I think, I mean, things are looking good, aren't they? We've had, uh, I mean, let's take ourselves back just pre-World Cup and think how far we've come. Um, There's been huge rises. There's been adverts. There's been well-known well-known voices signed up to do the advert and i seen it on sky sports the other day which was great i still haven't seen it have you not i seen it the other night no. um it no, was it's it pretty good i, I, enjoy, I enjoyed oh. watching it uh, <laughs> so it feels like it's part of your life and you feel like really defensive towards it it's you know it's really good and i think the communication from football index has improved a lot uh, i still think there's somewhere to go there but i mean uh, Mike being on Twitter, I think that's been great, and him being so interactive with people, I think uh, that's helped a lot as well. And I think just moving forward, and it sounds as like it sounds like Ireland's on the way. Um, mm, apparently, yeah, it sounds like Ireland's on the way. So who knows where we're going next? Um, so yeah, I mean, Ireland. What? How many people could we sign up there? You know, it, I'm saying we as the hot part of the company. <laughs> <laughs> we as the Football Index community, community. League, get it right, yeah, come on. Uh, I mean, I mentioned that, that I've had like nearly 600 listens from Ireland and whether that's people um, on their holidays, because I think I get like, I've gotten quite a few over the summer in Spain and Italy and stuff. So I'm, I'm assuming that's not someone just waiting until Football Index opens up on their shores. It's it's people holidaying. But uh, I think that's, that's kind of too many for people in i don't know the, uh in england to be to be <laughs> holidaying in ireland and obviously i i can't assume that but I'm, I'm thinking that there are a few people who have um who are listening who haven't got an account yet who are waiting for that opportunity yeah and i think i think just to quickly add i think there'll be lots of people who have signed up recently who haven't made um as who are waiting and they're testing the market out which they should and I think it's those people that you'll see um, invest more money in and then making the more short-term difference. 
I think we've probably seen, you know, you, you're probably looking three months after people are signing up or a couple of months after people are signing up before they become comfortable with the product. Then they, they get good at it and they get more interested and they get their mates involved. And, and then I think you see each sort of individual sign up growing in, in ways that they get further sign ups or they deposit more money. And I think we've got a lot of that still to come. Joe? Yeah, I'm really bullish on the the future of football index. I think with the amount that's being invested in the advertising campaign for this year, it'd be easy to get complacent. Um, I think we should see a, a spell of uh, good growth over the next year. I think next summer is really going to be defining in terms of whether it pushes on after this spell of Sky Sports ads um, and whether during this year, football index is making the right investments to support to continue supporting the growth. And as long as that's done, I think... Um, we're in for a good few years. Yeah, and I think we people, I mean, just listening to ASP's pod, I think uh, people rule out change. I mean, we don't know what football index are going to do next in terms of whether, they, you know, things will keep staying the same for a while or there will whether there'll be a share split or whether they'll increase dividends, whether we agree with it or not or... We, no, no one knows and we don't know what their plan is. Their plan could be to increase dividends and basically make this market twice as big as it actually is overnight. We, we don't know and um, none of us know that. And the, I still think the, the values of players are against returns are still undervalued. And I think as, as things stand, we've still got lots of growth and... That's with even um, Football Index um, developing the product further, which I'm assuming they will. <laughs> assuming and hoping, of course. And I, I think it's, yeah, it, it's it's definitely one of those things. I remember when Trip, Triple MB came around, Triple Media Buzz for the first time, first, second and third place. I, I don't think I'd ever had that pitch to me. We were in such like a pr- primitive stage and then they suddenly did it. We were like, wow, that's amazing. Why did no one think of this before? Uh, and maybe that was just us being uh, a bit stupid. But it, it shows the absolute mad development of the platform. Uh, I love the the perspective that Index Big took, um, Steve, a, a few episodes ago when he said it, it, it's strange seeing all this money shift about and, and go quite crazy and... Uh, and people also complain about the platform when in its current state, it's only been like it's been for under just 12 months, nearly when we get to October, when PB was properly instated. Right. So we've only been 10 months in its current state, which is nuts, isn't it? It's mad. But I mean, the the thing is, we all thought this would happen. Like if we go back to the day, we all thought this would happen. And I still see people going, oh, the money going in is mad and all this. But we, we actually did believe in it and that's why we backed the product and we did believe it and uh, now it's, you know, values are starting to become more realistic uh, against returns, which is which is great for everyone. Yeah, it's, uh, it's certainly exciting. Uh, I, I mean, obviously, a lot of the episode with ASP last time was, was spent talking about what could happen when we max out market cap, what could Football Index do to better make it seem like a football mar- uh, a stock market where prices increase forever or potentially forever it, it's 
it's it, it's so exciting to think about what the future could hold and i mean i remember recording that podcast and thinking wow i'm actually quite excited for this so for anyone who isn't bullish ask yourself why ask yourself what the concerns are i think people have always and it's okay i think it's sorry, okay to be concerned yeah on, i mean so interesting. people have always thought why didn't i put more in before i wish i would have done this i wish i would have done that hey players can't go any further players can't get any higher people have always thought that people have thought that for the last two and a half years and players are still going higher and you know so i think i think we we need to look at it i think it's it's been proven now over the past two and a half years that this product is actually going somewhere it's not in the stage that it was a year and a half ago where we just had media buzz no one really know knew a clear way where where it was developing and i think we can become more confident in it um personally i'm more confident in it than i than i used to be um and and yeah i think yeah i'm definitely less um i don't know <laughs> 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 I, I'm, I'm, more, I'm more confident and and uh yeah i think it's uh i think it's i think we're, we're probably going places and i think everyone keep worrying and, and i mean there's people two months ago saying is it too late to put my money in you've had all this growth and people saying oh i wish i was about when neymar was a pound and things but the last two months have probably been the biggest growth area ever on football 100 percent, 100 percent. so people people need to realize that yeah that it's been the, the this moment is the biggest growth that we've ever seen on football index we've never had this before people continue to say the same thing to me lee am i too late and i say well when did you join it's three months ago and i said just to someone i remember in in my dms this is currently the biggest growth change football index has ever encountered so you've joined at the right time whether or not you can take advantage of that growth is now down to you. And I think a lot of people have to think about that. Joel, have you got any signing off thoughts on this topic? Yeah, I'd also say that I'm more confident now than I ever have been. Um, I think a lot of, I haven't had as many people say, oh, can it go any higher since the Sky Sports ads were announced? I think that's even for new people, just people automatically saying, okay, well, that's naturally going to grow it quite a lot. So yeah, I've heard, the last couple of months I haven't heard that at all. Um, whereas I had done a lot previously. Yeah, uh, well, I think we're in for quite the exciting future. But chaps, it's been a wonderful, wonderful hour or so of of talk. First half was mostly analytical, and then and then we went on a few tangents, tried to predict some trends, talked about uh, and the future of FI, which is always a, a great topic. But Joel, where can people find out more about you? Um, so yeah, so it'd be great to chat to more of you. Um, I you can message me on Twitter at, at fi analysis, or you can message me football Ed, index edge account, or also on football index edge we have a messenger if you'd like to ask any questions. And yourself, Lee. Yeah, and uh, you can find me on Football Index uh, SOTD. And I'd just like to say what a great job Joel has done on Edge. He really is the main man uh, behind everything. And uh, I think he deserves a lot of praise for uh, how that's worked out and how that's helped people.
Congratulations, Joel. For a second, I thought Lee was gonna was gonna thank me, but ah uh, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll move on. <laughs> I, have, I, I had put I'd put a note down to thank you actually. Oh wow, <laughs> oh, that's nice. But guys, thank you so story. much. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for listening. And if you did enjoy that and you want to hear my voice but also see my face then go over to YouTube, go on my YouTube channel and, and have a look at some of the tutorial videos there, especially if you're a newbie. Have a look at the Bank Builder series and some of the trading technique stuff. If, if you want to hear a few more of my thoughts, then I also have a newsletter that I run alongside Liam, Football Index LM, and also Footy Index LDN. That goes out fortnightly, and you should definitely sign up to that one. Also, if you want to hear my voice in another podcast, but just about football then head over to the state of play podcast on all your favorite podcast hosts at state of play on twitter and lastly if you really really love this please do leave a review i love reading them and they do help rank the podcast make it look better on itunes and why not subscribe if you're not subscribed and you're listening i really don't know what you're doing at this rate uh, and tell your mates if they're on football index as well have a look at the fit Figcast and, and tell them how much it's helped you or hopefully helped you uh I, I guess that's it a very long outro but enjoy your commute or as i got shouted out uh today or shouted at should i say on twitter today i don't listen to your podcast while i'm on my commute so whatever you're doing if you're scrubbing a toilet as someone once told me they were while listening to the podcast which is quite strange if you're just lazing around on your couch fair enough but thanks for listening 